What's up, party people? This is your boy Frankie with another one of the Undesirables podcasts. Today, we have a lot of wonderful information for you. And if you like what you hear, please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Let's go. So what's up, everybody? Here we go. We're going to talk a little bit about what episode two is going to be about. And what we have for episode two is pretty simple. We're going to talk about the Israeli conflict, Iran, and the actual terrorist organizations that are out there promoting this kind of particular acts of terrorism. We're going to talk about where can it be attributed that the actual um, terrorist movements have come from, particularly the notion, the idea that terrorism is actually present in a lot of the Arab countries. We need to know the history of it. So this is what we're going to talk about. We're going to do a little bit of history lesson with the podcast, and I hope you guys enjoy it. For those of you that are actually doing the visual, we're going to be switching over right now to several of my open tabs. We're going to talk about it. So what we're going to talk about here is about the Houthis, because that is the sexy name right now that we have in all of the United States media and in the world, because they are attacking actively. British, U.S., and every ship that comes in without an actual Arab flag on it, they're attacking it in the Red Sea. So, as for those of you who are looking over here, the inception of the Houthis came in in 2004, and their founder name was Hussein Badreddin al-Houthi. That's where the Houthis came from. And he was actually killed by Yemeni forces in 2004. With that, we have that the actual Houthis control the capital of Yemen, which is Sana'a, and they have their own political and military structures. Moreover, the Houthis claim to be defending Yemen from foreign intervention and corruption and have adopted slogans such as God is great, death to America, death to Israel, curse upon the use, and victory to Islam. They have basically destabilize the country of Yemen to a point that the Saudis have been bombing the shit out of them for the past eight years and they have done nothing to them. These motherfuckers are strong and they are certainly a force to be reckoned with. It is believed that they actually have about 150,000 warriors, which is a pretty conservative number in my opinion, because we don't know who's actually, I would say, adopting their ideology or even believing in their ideology. The next one that I want to talk to you about is about Hezbollah. Hezbollah. For those of you who were born before 1980, and for those of us who were born in the 80s, we have heard about him a lot. So within the 1980s, the Lebanese Shia Islamic political party was founded, and it was the Hezbollah movement. Hezbollah today controls actually part of the parliament. And most notably, in 2006, in the Lebanese war, it resulted in heavy casualties and the damage to both sides, and that's how they were able to actually get a piece of the political spectrum within the actual country of Lebanon. Hezbollah is also involved in conflicts in Syria, Iraq, Yemen, where it supports the governments of Bashir al-Assad, Nouri al-Maliki, and the Houthis, respectively. Hezbollah is considered a terrorist organization by many countries, including the United States, Israel, and Europe or the European Union, but it also has supporters and allies in regions and beyond. Now we're going to talk about the Muslim Brotherhood. 
Muslim Brotherhood is actually one of the oldest terrorist organizations and it was actually founded in 1928, as you can see for those of you looking. In 2011, they actually were able to get the presidency for the Egyptian government, which the candidate was actually Mohamed Morsi, but he was actually ousted in 2013 due to an actual coup by the military. Then the Muslim Brotherhood has been involved in various political and social activists or activities, sorry, such as education, charity, opposition of governance, and it also has faced repression and persecution from some governments. And it's been accused of violence and terrorism by some critics. It has been a major player in the Arab Spring uprising, especially in Egypt. And that's where it goes to show that the whole getting back into the Egyptian presidential palace and the actual parliament, because they actually won, but they were ousted out. The next one we're going to talk about is Hamas. So Hamas is a Palestinian Sunni Islamist political and military organization that governs the Gaza Strip and opposes Israel. It was founded in 1987 by members of the Muslim Brotherhood and other Islamic groups. Hamas is considered a terrorist group by many countries, including the United States, Canada, and the European Union. Hamas has been involved in several wars, conflicts with Israel, mostly, most recently, in 2003, where it launched a massive rocket attack that killed 1,200 Israelis, or actually October 2023, October 7th to be exact. They were actually voted into power in 2006. And they have been a rival of the secular Fatah party that controls the West Bank. The next thing that I want to talk to you about is the IRGC. And why am I going backwards? And you start thinking, you're like, okay, so we went to 1920, we went to 1980, 1987 now. Now we're going to 1979. It's because I'm giving you a track record of where the particular notion for terrorism came from. And the one that we can associate as the beginning, if not the beginning, for the inception of a terrorist organizations or terrorist organizations throughout, could be the IRGC. So Islamic Revolutionary Guard Force a branch of the Iranian armed forces that is independent of the regular army. That's what people think. They'll automatically say, oh, it's the IRGC, that's the, the Iranian army. No, 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 no. It's an actual secular side of it. It was established by Rahula Khamenei in 1979 to safeguard the Islamic Republic and the legacy of the Iranian Revolution. The IRGC has a significant role in Iranian politics, economy, and security, and it has its own army, navy, air force, intelligence, and military forces. It is also involved in the Iranian nuclear program and regional conflicts. And it basically has been a designated a terrorist organization by the United States, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Sweden. Last thing we have over here for you when it comes to the history of terrorism is Wahhabism. Wahhabism is the actual doctrine that was pretty much brought in and placed into Islam, and particularly the Sunni Islam movement. And it was based on, from an actual 18th century Hanbali acrylic, which he was Muhammad ibn Abd al-Wahhab. So it emphasizes the oneness of God, or the Tawheed, and rejects any practices that may imply polytheism or Shia, such as venerating saints or 
visiting tombs. It also advocates to the return of the original teaching of Islam as founded by the Quran and the Sunnah and condemns any innovations of the Bidha in doctrine of law. Wahhabism is closely associated with the Saudi royal family who adopted it in 1744 and have supported its spread throughout the world. So when we come and talk about these particular notions of what terrorism looks like, you can see that from the inception of Wahhabism into the, we're going to say the Saudi Arabia royal family, and the way that they actually adopted it, we can see how some people might have taken the actual message, which is a very profound Islamic message, to as to uphold one God and to pretty much continue the faith the way that it was supposed to be, you know, taught in the beginning, which is the faith is a faith in God is God. That's what we see here. That's what they wanted. But you can see how other ideologies can actually go back, feed from this, and spread their actual terrorist activities. So that's pretty much the education that I wanted to bring you when it comes to this particular notion of what's happening within the terrorist world of the, we're going to say the five top uh, terrorist organizations in the world. Now we can talk a little bit about, about Israel. We can talk about it, Israel. And yes, I know we didn't touch the ISIS or we didn't touch the actual Al Qaeda. Now we're talking about what's currently happening and how it can impact us in the United States. And this is what my belief is. Since October 7, we have seen that the world at first was completely with Israel, and then all of a sudden they started fading away. The first one to do the fade away was on October 10th, and it was President Erdogan of Turkey that said that he was completely against the actual attack on Israel, but yet again, that Israel needed to take it in the chin and shut the fuck up. That's basically what he said, in my opinion. And I disagree with that. Israel is a sovereign country. Yet again, they have the ability to defend their borders and seek military or repercussions if they want to. And if they feel they can actually you know, fight the push. Okay, great. But now we have all these terrorist organizations that we have named that are actually ganged up against the Israeli Completely. Like, we're not talking about just maybe. No, no, no. They're completely against it. Okay, cool. More so, we see that now Iran as a country, not just the IRGC, Iran as a country is actually funding all these terrorist groups with their Shia doctrine and everything else. It doesn't matter if they're Shia, they're Sunni. They're terrorists and they're against the United States of America. And if the Jews, against the Jews, they are going to go for it. This push, particularly in a lot of circles, and particularly in circles that believe that. The last terrorist attack was actually fueled by some money that the United States gave back to Iran. or actually unfroze in South Korea. And for those of you who haven't seen it, you can look at my ex and there should be a couple links in there that talked about this. They actually unfroze about $5 billion and then all of a sudden, Hamas had the actual money to go and attack Israel. How interesting. More so, they actually practice everything in Gaza. And they actually did their on downs and everything. Month before actually going in there, they went into Lebanon. And in Lebanon, they were actually able to train their forces and had high target meetings or high value meetings with a lot of high value individuals in the IRGC. One thing that we know from the IRGC and their disdain against the United States of America, particularly in this day and age, is because about two, two years ago, if I remember correctly, we killed Hassan Soleimani. So this Hassan Soleimani was an actual 
general, the one in front of what the IRGC is today. And if you look at the Iranian political construct, the Ayatollah is number one, then is the actual prime minister slash president, and then is the leader of the IRGC. So we killed the number three in Iraq. Great. And his actual, this year's commemoration celebration, ISIS went in and actually bombed the shit out of that particular celebration, which is very unfortunate. We don't want anybody to die, and more so, you know, innocence. That's, that's not what we're here for, Jesus Christ. But we can see how, even within their actual political spectrums in those particular countries that we spoke about, you know, Hezbollah in Lebanon, Yemen, the Houthis, then we have ISIS that is operating in Syria and Iraq and in Iran, then we have the IRGC in Iran. We can see how they're all having issues of their Those issues are starting to spill to our borders. They're starting to spill in the way of economic hardship. And why do I say that? Well, our economic hardship has come from the actual Red Sea not being open fully 100%. We're seeing that our goods and services, or goods particularly, are being delayed on that push to come here. And we see the small businesses are being impacted. You go to a lot of places and some people don't have you know, the goods that you're looking for because they just don't. Because they're stuck in the freaking mad trying to come here. That's what we see it in one way. And the other way that we're seeing is that I want to give you a little tidbit, something to think about. Imagine that out of every single person that's come illegally through the United States, in the southern border particularly, we're not talking about Canada or anywhere else, you know, around the world. Imagine that out of every thousand individuals, one person is a terrorist. And I'm going to give you a second to think about that. One out of every 1,000 person is a terrorist. And we know that there has been about 10 million people that have come in the past three years to our southern border. How long is that? Or how many people is that? Math real quick. If you answer 10,000, you are correct. So we can possibly say that 10,000 people actually came through the southern border illegally that have a ties to a terrorist organization. A lot of people are focusing on the actual 18 to 22 age group. I disagree with that notion. I believe that the age group of 18 to 35 should be the one that we need to be completely cautious of. And you ask me, why, Frankie? Why do you think that? Well, let me tell you. Remember when you were an 18-year-old, you know, ladies and gentlemen out there? Remember how vulnerable you were. More so, remember when you were 14, 15 years old and how somebody that was 18 that drove a Mustang or drove the car of your choice or drove a truck or drove something that you were so inspired by. How actually inspiring were those people? Or how actually moldable were you in that age, 18 years old, and even before that, somebody that had shown you what you can be doing in your future. The same thing happens with ideology. We know that in this country, there's a lot of people that hate America. I don't know why the fuck they're in America, but they sure should hate it, and they're here. Imagine with somebody that is actually a tested veteran of a doctrine, of a particular way of living that hates this country, and due to the mind of somebody that has disdain for our societal norms. And yet again, he has battled it abroad. We have lost the actual national pride that we had in our military. And there was actually an, an actual poll that was done for people from zero to 19, which I don't understand why they said zero, 
Because, you know, they ain't talking about fucking, you know, no fucking kid out there, like a baby. What is a baby going to do? I hate America. Nah, no, he's not going to actually know that shit. So they talked about how many people actually hate the country. And they found out that the number was about 8 million people or 17% of the people that were actually interviewed. They hated America. So imagine finding somebody that has fought abroad. You know, we have seen it throughout the, the actual, you know, current history that people have gone from the UK to go and fight in Syria because they were actually indoctrinated into believing that what they were going to go out there and fight was the right thing because it was part of the, the caliphate. Not just necessarily for religious beliefs, but just because that is what they believed at the time. And most of them, when they came back, they said they were wrong. Imagine what could happen in America if those 10,000 people could actually poison the minds of our children. And that's what I'm going to leave you with. Imagine what can happen in America if we let people come through our southern border with no checks and balances, with an actual terrorist ideology, and how they can poison the United States of America. I hope that I am wrong. I really do. We have seen it. People like Ben Bergman and others in different spaces like in X and YouTube and Rumble, that they have actually caught people that were terrorists in one shape or form, or that actually were associated with a terrorist group, like Usabad, that he actually said, no, you don't know who I am, but you will find out very soon. Is that an actual warning for us? It should, be, should we be worried about an actual attack in America right now? Is that what you're telling me, sir? That's where I'm at. Let's hope that I'm wrong. But this is going to be the first episode or the second episode, I apologize, of the Undesirables podcast. I've been your host, Frankie. As always, thank you for being here. I sincerely appreciate your time. And if you like what you heard, please follow me on social media at FrankieUSN1987. You can find me on X, YouTube, Rumble, and Truth Social. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can follow me at the undesirables, the underscore undesirables. Instead of the ease of undesirables, you're going to put two threes. Underscore podcast. I know it's a little, it's a little too much. So I get it if you don't want to follow me on Instagram, that's cool. But that's what I'm going to leave you with. Imagine what could happen if we let terrorists into our country. And on the next episode, that's what we're going to discuss. We're going to make a hypothetical scenario and think how we can actually target a particular place. So stay tuned for more episodes. I appreciate your time. Thank you as always. God bless. Unfortunately, guys, we have come to another end of The Undesirables Podcast with your host, Frankie. If you want to continue the conversation, please follow me on social media at FrankieUSN1987, Rumble, and YouTube. Thank you again for being here, and I hope that you're here for the next one. Let's go.